Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. Let's not forget what day it is. I did yesterday. I thought it was Wednesday and because I, I, I got up so late, I recorded you guys an extra show. So, and I'm happy to do it. There was news yesterday anyway. So all good. All good. But today's Friday. In case you're wondering, kids, if you're not working, if you're working from home, today is Friday. So if you haven't put on maroon yet, pause the show, go put it on. Even if nobody's going to see you but yourself. We want to stay in practice. Maroon Fridays are very, very important. And isn't it great that we work and live in a world that we can celebrate Maroon Friday however we choose. Great to be with you. Uh, kids, we're going to make it. I know, listen, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the virus. I'm no expert. I've told you guys many times when it comes to this, I, I don't. But I do know this. I'm going to listen to the experts. I am confident I am a person that lives by the mantra that the best is yet to come. I believe some great things are going to happen in our lives. And I truly believe that the rest of our lives will be the best of our lives. And so I'm, I'm not going to get all down in the mouth. And there are times that I look around and I'm, I worry about my children and I worry about an uncertain future. Uh, and then those moments pass because I believe that there is something more than fate at play. And so let's, uh, again, not going to get involved with a lot of this stuff, but uh, just listen, I hope that you guys are well. Hope that you're taking the steps necessary to, to protect yourselves and uh, to take the precautions. I know many of, many of you, you don't have any choice. You have to get out and go work. You're working in a central field. And, uh, and listen, my hat is off to you. I understand all the anxiety that goes along with that. And for all of you guys and gals that are working in transportation and manufacturing and the grocery business and all that sort of stuff, thank you. I know a lot of people will mean it and then forget to say it because we're all kind of worried about our own things right now. But thank you for the job you do. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They are still doing curbside service. As of yesterday, still doing some in-house dining room stuff. And so if you're looking to get a hold of some great quality restaurant hamburgers, you could still do that at Bulldog Burger Company. Love working with those folks. You know, it's, it's, nice, it's nice being affiliated with winners. And that's what you have at Bulldog Burger Company. Part of a great family of restaurants, very committed to the Golden Triangle. They're part of your community. You're not sending your money to some faraway home office. That money's spent right here. They employ people right here, right here in Starkville and Tupelo. Go by, check them out, and if, listen, if you, if you don't feel comfortable going and sitting in a restaurant, I can certainly understand, call ahead. Phone in that order. They'll even bring it out to the car for you. You don't even have to get out of your vehicle. You can go do that. Bulldog Burger Company with two locations now to serve you right here, the flagship, on University Drive right here in Starkville, Mississippi, and now on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, the, the, the big news today. There has not been a Division I ruling handed down about eligibility. However, they did announce Division II information today. And I'll be honest with you, when I first saw it, I didn't fully understand what I was looking at. And now that we have had somebody that is in the industry kind of explain this to me, it appears to be what we want it to be, at, at least for baseball and and softball and lacrosse and all that sort of stuff, all the typical spring sports. And listen, there's going to be some background noise around me. You're just going to have to deal with it, okay? Because I'm dealing with it too. I got people around me that are home, that aren't ordinarily home, and so I apologize if it's a distraction for you. But there occasionally will be some noise around me, so I, again, I apologize ahead of time. 
But the information that we had earlier this week was that this would be across the board, that all athletes sent under the supervision of the NCAA who had their spring seasons interrupted would be granted another year of eligibility. Now, the Division II ruling comes down today. Division I is still a matter of discussion, but I am told it will likely closely mirror the language in the Division II model. So let me read to you. I, I won't read you all of the jargon, okay, because I got a little confused, too. There actually are two rulings today. The first one is, and here this is directly from the NCAA Division II Compliance Office. All spring student-athletes will be granted an additional season of eligibility as a result of the cancellation of the spring season. And again, that's Division II, but we continue to hear that the Division I model and legislation will be very, very close to this, if not exactly the same. The second ruling, and this is where there was some confusion that came in, because if you read all of that language in its entirety without putting a comma in there, it kind of felt like it was all one, one ruling. It's a little bit confusing. But the second ruling is the senior spring sports student-athletes will qualify for an extension of their eligibility clock to use an additional season. So what that means is, you know, every student-athlete is granted five years to play four. And that five years is called their NCAA eligibility clock. So once they enroll, which is the whole purpose of gray shirting, once they enroll as a full-time student, their NCAA eligibility clock begins. And so some of these students, and this is smart by the NCAA, they're the ones that make the rules anyway. But to have the waiver for the student-athletes, you also have to kind of clear some legislation and bylaws about the eligibility clock. So there's, there's no conflict there. And so basically they're going to have the two rulings. As of now, it's just Division Two and Division Three. But we, again, we expect Division One to follow the same language. I said it three times now. Because a lot of people are going to hear this and they're going to think, oh, well, when the Division I ruling comes out, maybe it's worded a little bit differently. So I want to make sure you understand, we're expecting college baseball and softball to follow, on the Division I level, exactly what has been handed down today. And that is that all student-athletes, all freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, red shirts of all varieties will be granted another year of eligibility. So essentially this year, the 2020 spring semester will not count towards their four years of eligibility. So let's assume today that the Division I ruling and waiver model follows as we expect. What does that mean for Mississippi State baseball? Well, what that means is guys like Riley Self and Spencer Price will be able to come back next year. They'll be able to suit right back up, and then that's assuming they want to. You know, there's going to be some of those guys that get drafted, and there's, there's going to be a draft. It might be a little bit different. They may not have quite as many rounds. There may not be as many guys selected. And so those guys will get an opportunity to return. Mississippi State doesn't have a lot of seniors. You know, seniors in college baseball traditionally means that somebody has been injured at some point in their career. And so that's the case with Spencer and Riley. That's one thing that I hate is that both of those guys are really beginning to deal and kind of find their own. Now they get another year to do it. You know, let's just say, for an example, if they get drafted and just decide, you know what, I'm just going back to Mississippi State. So here are the guys right out of the gate that are impacted 
as far as seniors go. They will get another year of eligibility unless they're drafted in a position that they're comfortable and they go ahead and go out because Mississippi State doesn't have many seniors. But you do have Carlisle Kessler, who was awarded a hardship year. So this, this year, the 2020 year, was his sixth year of eligibility. So now he will have a seventh year of eligibility. I, I don't know that's if I've ever seen that. Seven years, and he was having a great season. This is a guy that's going to be able to help us. This is big for us. David Donalevy had been kind of hot or cold at times, but he you know has three innings of perfect uh, relief in a big series, and then he comes back, couldn't get a guy out. But this is a guy, too, that's you know, a year removed from being hurt. And so he was a grad transfer. He will have an additional year should he like to take it. Of course, Spencer Price, Riley Self, both kind of working back from injury. And, you know, Jack Egan has been on the shelf the entire season. Every time I see him, he's got, uh, you know, got – you know, a little sling or something around his wrist, you know, a protective sleeve, I guess you could say. It looks a little bit like what you put on for carpal tunnel syndrome. Not to say that's the injury. But uh, Jack hasn't pitched at all this year, just trying to get him healthy. So now he will have a year to come back. And so this is a guy that might not have been anywhere close to 100% this year, will now have the benefit of, of, you know, of getting healthy again. So those are the guys right out of the gate you look at and say, okay, if we have a log jam, and, and I think a lot of that conversation is kind of overstated because there are going to be a lot of guys that are going to leave, okay? There are a lot of guys that are going to get drafted and going to go ahead and go, especially among the juniors. And that's where you look at these draft-eligible guys. And this is one of the things, too, like Luke Alexander, too. Luke Alexander has not been right the whole year. And so I understand Luke either has or is about to have surgery to kind of remedy that so now he'll have the full benefit of this you know shortened season to be ready to go he'll be much better and be healthier next year that's big JT Ginn as you guys know now it's one of those things in hindsight you look at and say man it's a shame we lost him for the year well now the year is over and now he's in a position now where he can come back, and I, I've been told that uh, you know there's a good chance that he could pitch next year, possibly in the midweek, possibly some in relief on the weekends. We just don't know. But now, now in hindsight, you look at it and say, you know what, I'm kind of glad we did that. Now he's going to be able to return to the mound pain-free and still have the benefit of having two years of leverage. So I think there's a good chance you see JT again come back next year unless something crazy happens in the draft. Looking at these draft-eligible juniors, Rowdy Jordan is a guy. I think Rowdy benefits from having another year of eligibility. Rowdy kind of is who he is, but he's getting to know a different position. But he's had the best start, to, of the best first month of his career this year. But he's a guy, too, with an extra year to kind of play with. I think he's one of those kind of guys that's a little bit on the bubble as far as coming back or whatever. I think that he's a guy... It'll all depend on where he's drafted. Tanner Allen, I think this is one of the best things that ever happened to him because he had the two injuries this year. He's playing a new position. Now he has an opportunity to come back and maintain that two years of leverage. I think there's a good chance that he comes back. And, again, it's going to depend on where he's drafted. Josh Hatcher kind of in that same boat without the injury. But he's a guy that I think when I look at the guys that were really negatively impacted by the stoppage of play, Josh Hatcher's among those people. Josh Hatcher absolutely mashing a baseball as of late and, and a guy that uh, I think was going to play his way into some better options. So now he'll be drafted 
you know, basically on his work to date rather than the, the projection of the season that he could have had. And I think he was going to play his way up some draft boards. So him coming back for another year could be a big thing. Jordan Westberg, I think this gives him a lot of leverage now because, you know, in a lot of people that have a first-round tag on him, some as a second-rounder, let's say if he gets drafted in the fourth or fifth round, I think now he comes back. I think now that he has two years to play with, he has he holds all the advantages. I think Justin Foscu is probably a guy that will go in the early rounds this year. I think there's still a good chance that he goes. He's the one guy that I look at and say, you know what, he didn't have anything left to prove. He kind of is who he is. And he will probably command a pretty big signing bonus. So I think Foskey is probably the one you look at and say, you know what? Best of luck to you, kid. Wish we had a chance to win a championship together this year. You get a little deeper into this thing, you know, there's some other guys that, uh, you know, first-year players like Chase Patrick, who has been one of State's reliable relievers this year. Jared Schimper has been a left-handed special. It's been a little bit up and down, but he benefits from another year. Tanner Leggett, Jackson Forrester, Houston Harding, all of those guys have now had a little bit of a taste of SEC baseball, Division One baseball, and now they're going to be that much better for it and better prepared for it next year. So when I begin to kind of break this down and look at it, I begin to think, okay, listen, we lost Brandon Smith in fall baseball, so now we're not going to play a year. So he's not going to lose a year of eligibility in this thing. He's going to redshirt anyway. But you understand my point. This is not going to cost him anything. So now all of a sudden you begin to think about what this pitching staff could be next year when when you don't lose anybody, when you bring everybody back, and then you get the benefit of these junior college guys having another year to kind of acclimate to the college level and really because you know, that was the thing last year. If you remember, you know, Colby White comes in as a junior, lights things up, and he's gone. Well, now these guys have a little more room to grow. Then you think about JT again helping in some capacity. You think about Brandon Smith coming back. And, you know, that Tommy John thing sometimes is an 18-month type deal, but he's had the benefit of uh, that happening in the fall. So he's that much farther ahead. And so when I begin to think about this baseball team, I begin to think, you know what, this is, uh, this is huge for us. This, this ruling, if it goes the way we expect it to, and now there is some evidence to suggest that it will because it's happening to lower levels and to treat Division One athletes different than Division Two when it comes to eligibility as a class action lawsuit just simply waiting to happen. So this could be a thing where you look at next year, Mississippi State's absolutely loaded. Absolutely loaded. 2021 was the year we were really worried about because we expected to have a huge, you know, exodus of these juniors. Now if you get some of them back, and you should get all those pitchers back and all those junior college transfers. Uh, and many of those guys were going to be stopgap guys. But now all of a sudden you begin to look at it and say, you know what, there might be a little more value in these guys. It's a bit of a silver lining. Listen, we've got bigger issues than, than sports, but that's what I'm here to talk about is sports. And I think Mississippi State will be able to put a, a really good baseball team on field next year. And yeah, we've got some guys coming in, and but we'll have some, we'll be over the limit like everybody else. But it's not going to be as bad as I think some other people are expecting. Kind of shifting over to softball here. You know, we don't have a, a huge amount of seniors on this group either. But you know who is a senior? It's Fa. So now she's granted another year. So now you have Thunder Lightning back for another year, assuming she wants it, and I'm sure she will. 
But this softball team that was off to one of the best starts in school history, you've only got five seniors on the team. They're expected back. And so now you begin to kind of work through this thing, and now you've got, you know, I think you have some real optimism. Mia Davidson was just a junior. She'll have two more years of eligibility. You just absolutely just smash home runs all over the Southeastern Conference. And you give her another year having five with her. That's pretty exciting. Got a couple of pitchers in there as well. And so, but when you begin to kind of break this thing down, if this ruling, again, if it follows what we're seeing in Division II, Mississippi State is going to be absolutely loaded on both sides, baseball and softball. And, yeah, there'll be some guys leave. That's part of the deal. There's going to be some of them that decide, you know what, I don't know if I want to play baseball anymore. Maybe I'm ready to go get a job. Maybe I'm ready to do something else with my life. Maybe I'm ready to go coach. I don't know. But now you've got some options, and now I think this is the right decision. I don't know how you could have made any other decision. There's still some discussion about the winter sports. I do not expect that to happen. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, can we get Jordan Danbury another year? Robbie Falk tells me that she is likely moving on regardless. So I do not expect the winter sports to be granted another year. I don't think anybody really expects that. And a lot of people say, well, you know, how can you do it for the spring sports and not do it for the winter sports? We've discussed it ad nauseum. The regular season was over, and many conference tournaments were over. So for all intents and purposes, the majority of college basketball players, their seasons were over. And then people talk about, well, you know, what about the finances of all this, the room and board and all that stuff? Again, you're only talking about a handful of people. You're only talking about a handful. You know, like Jordan Danbury, the, the long scholarship senior this year. I went down to baseball seniors. You only got you know, a handful of those. You only got a handful of softball. So they'll be able to absorb that. It's not going to be the issue that some make it out to be. It's just not. I mean, I understand you know, the finances of college athletics, and there's a lot involved in all of that. But this is something that the NCAA can grant some relief on. This was the right decision. In my mind, it was the only decision you could make. And, again, I think I mean, we might even have some Division One news by the end of the day. Don't know. But when you've got the same people involved in a decision-making process, it makes perfect sense to expect this to go the way that uh, it's gone with Division Two and Division Three, And that's the thing, too. And uh, I shared that yesterday. A lot of people were saying, well, Kendall Rogers said, and, and listen, Kendall is as connected as anybody. And I think initially when this ruling came out, I thought, well, maybe he knew something that we didn't. But there's just going to be some confusion. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong at this point. It's about what's best for the student-athletes. This is absolutely the right call. I look forward to Division I following Division II. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I have made the transition to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. So if you're around me, you'd have to smell me from six feet away. But if you're around me and you smell me, you're going to know that I smell nice. You're going to be like, Steve, what are you that you're wearing? And it's, it's Hawthorne. And I, I absolutely love the cologne. I've said many times, I believe it's the best cologne that I've ever had. You get the work scent and the play scent. The play scent, a little wilder. You know, it's a little more out there. The work scent smells great, but let's just say it's a little more dialed back a bit. And so they're, they're companion phrases, scents, pardon me. You're going to love them, fragrances. But you can get the body wash. You can get... The shampoo, the conditioner, you can get the face wash, you can get it all. Anything that you need for men's personal grooming, as far as scents go and shampoos and all that, the lotion, everything, you can get it right there at hawthorne.co. There's a quiz you can take because there's nobody out there that ever tells you how to buy a cologne. 
you take this short quiz and then they will pair you up with the products that best fit your preferences. I encourage you to do it. It is a game changer, I can promise you. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase, save you a little money. It's Boneyard. Boneyard will save you 10% off your very first purchase. You can set up replenishment shipments. I think you're going to want to do that. And maybe initially you set it up and say, you know what, I just want to try this thing out and see what all the fuss is about. You're going to love it. You've seen the ads on Facebook. Now I'm giving you a personal, personal testimonial. I use the Hawthorne products every single day. Could not be happier. Again, that's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. So uh, the top ten lists have been a big hit. I've had a lot of people message me. And I think some people are kind of scared on social media at times to get out there and say, well, I don't want anybody to say that I'm wrong. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I enjoy the dialogue. You know, we need some things to remind us of a simpler time, right? And so today I, I thought that I would go back a little bit. We're not going to do music today. Not going to do music today. But I'm going to give you the top 10 80s teen movies. Top 10 80s teen movies. And my, and my list is right. You can have your own list, but, I, you know, share it with your friends or whatever. But my list is the list. I want to give you a couple a couple of honorable mentions because I couldn't I couldn't limit this to just 10. We got a baker's dozen today just because I just felt like it was important. But I've got a couple of honorable mentions too, okay? Some of these I'd kind of thought I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But for many of you that are uh, that are quarantining and maybe you've seen everything on Netflix and you need something different and you want to see something that kind of molded us as teenagers, go back and watch these movies. You're going to love them. And some of them are a little cheesy. They were cheesy back then, too, but we love them. We still love them. We do. So a couple of honorable mentions for you. Heathers. It's a Christian Slater movie. It was kind of a revenge movie. Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's wild and over the top and, and so incredibly, incredibly silly. I would kind of like it a little bit if you saw... Jawbreaker years ago with Rose McGowan. It's, it's kind of like that. But Jawbreaker is kind of playing off the whole Heather's thing. A movie that I'm, I, I suspect many of you have not thought about in years and years and years, and it kind of ties into football recruiting, Johnny Be Good. Anthony Michael Hall plays a star quarterback. It's being recruited by some of the best programs in the country. It, it's a great feel-good type movie, but it also kind of has a uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek swing at the recruiting process. Uh, Johnny B. Good, great, great film. And if you can't find it on Netflix, I'm sure you can find it somewhere else. It's worth buying, I think. Pretty in Pink, that, that's kind of a, a cliche one, but I like all those John Hughes movies, and the Amali Ringwald was a big part of our cultural uh, society at the time. Huge star. It's a good movie. And then Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I, the soundtrack to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is incredible. I love the movie. I'm looking forward to Bill and Ted 3 coming out this summer where Bill and Ted face the music. It's a time travel movie, and it's incredible. I love all of the, 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 whole, the whole series. Bogus Journey, if you recall, uh, Bill and Ted get killed by the evil robot Bill and Ted, and then they have to go beat death in a game, and they end up playing like in Twister and then you know, electronic football and all that stuff, and they, and they find a way to, to come back and save the world. Good stuff. I think our first dose of Richie Kotzen is on that soundtrack. It is. Dream of a New Day. I like the Nevermore, or Evermore, whatever the band was. It's a great soundtrack. Go find it. Okay, so number 13, we get into the actual rankings. Number 13 on my list. And it's... It, 
I could make an argument that all these movies in my 13 could be number one. I, I really could. There are times in my life that I said, you know what, this might be my favorite movie of all time. Number 13, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Loved the movie. Uh, I thought the ending was a little bit silly, you know, when, when he kills his dad's car. Not Ferris, but, you know, his, his friend. Nobody would ever do that. You wouldn't do that. But it's a great movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, number 12, Back to the Future. And you can get all caught up in Back to the Future 2 and 3 and everything else. You know, Back to the Future is the quintessential Back to the Future movie. It is a classic. All of them are great. This one by far is the best one. I absolutely love it. And it goes to show you, too, about those moments in your life that, that happen. It's a good message in this. That change everything. Number 11, and, I, and there are times in my life, I read the book before I saw the movie as a young teen, but The Outsiders. Man, I love that movie. I, anytime that I'm flipping through the cable channels late at night and it's on, I watch it. I don't care what time of night it is. I will watch that movie every single time. So many huge stars in that movie. Ralph Macchio was in that movie. Go watch it. And I know most most of your kids in, in high school, middle school, they probably would read The Outsiders. It is a great book. It's kind of a coming of age. Cautionary tale. Great movie. The battle for... Uh, town supremacy between the hoods and associates, right? Number 10 on my list, and at one, at one time in my life, many times, this has been my favorite movie. It was also the very first ever PG-13 movie, for those of you that are wondering. The first time any movie was ever rated PG-13 was this one. It's Red Dawn. Great movie. Shows the courage of the American spirit. Little high school football in there in the beginning. Patrick Swayze, um, Jennifer Grey, so many great stars. Leah Thompson, C. Thomas Howell. All of it's great. All of it's wonderful. I could watch that every day. Not then it's the original Red Dawn. I haven't seen the, the remake. I refuse. I don't, I don't want to watch the remake of the Point Break movie either. Number nine on my list is The Karate Kid. And one of the reasons I didn't rank it higher is. Yeah, it was kind of geared toward teenagers, but I think it's kind of an all-ages movie. And uh, this is our first look at Ali Sheedy. You know, no, no what's her name? Elizabeth Shue, pardon me. Thank you. Goodness gracious. Elizabeth Shue. That's when she became a teen heartthrob. Still is to many of us, right? Number eight on the list, Weird Science. Silly, silly, silly movie, but a lot of fun. Good message in the movie in the end, you know, about being yourself. Uh, they needed Kelly LeBrock, I guess, to teach them. You know, Wyatt knows guys how to how to handle things. But uh, Weird Science, great teen movie. Really over the top, really silly. You'll enjoy it. Number seven, another Anthony Michael Hall flick. And he's in, I guess he's in three of these that I've, that I've mentioned today. Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles is the quintessential 80s teen high school movie. So many crazy themes in that movie. Uh, you'll like it. Again, it's one of those things, too, about being yourself. A lot of those movies in the 80s were just about being yourself, getting caught up in all this pursuit of popularity and all that. Number six had nothing to do about being yourself. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I could make a case as the number one movie of all time. <laughs> it's so incredibly silly. Loved the movie. I uh, used to have a cardboard cutout for years and years and years and years. The life-size one that came from the movie theater a friend gave me. And then uh, 
when I went into rehab, it got lost in the sands of time. I'm sure it's in somebody's dumpster bin somewhere. But Bill and Ted, excellent adventure. Great movie. Still love Missy. Uh, number five is Goonies, which I think it, one of the best teen movies of all time. I think all your kids should watch it if they haven't. They've always talked about doing a sequel. I wish they would. I think the Goonies movies are incredible. Uh, a lot of good stories there. Number four, The Lost Boys. And again, this was kind of geared towards teens, but it's kind of an all-ages movie. But uh, absolutely love it. I was in love with Jamie Gertz even before The Lost Boys. And uh, her character star you know, made me want to be a vampire. Incredible movie. Kiefer Sutherland. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, Bill is in the movie. Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure also. The, the first vampire to get killed was then the little vampire click there. Number three. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Again, a very silly movie, but uh, also uh, some, some pretty serious themes at times in that movie. And I think it's uh, a great one. A lot of people kind of fashion themselves as Spicoli. You know, I think I've lived that life. Number two on my list is Footloose. I, I, again, it's kind of a, it's a movie about rebellion and about kind of standing up for what you believe and that sort of stuff. But it's about, it's a dance movie too, you know, so... Uh, I think at some point every teenage boy wanted to be Ren McCormick. I think at some point, and may, maybe some of you guys even went out and bought a VW Bug and put Quiet Riot in the cassette deck just because you wanted to act like Ren. I even thought about naming my first son Ren just because I, I had such a respect for Ren McCormick. But uh, that's Kevin Bacon's character in the movie. Go check it out. It's a great movie, and I don't care anything about the remake. I'm, I'm sticking with the original. There's no way you could improve upon that. And the number one 80s teen movie, in my estimation, is The Breakfast Club. I think that is, without a doubt, the most one of the most important movies of the 80s because, again, it, it kind of brings everybody and shows how silly all these little social cliques are and stuff in high school. And many of that kind of continues on into life. You know, Some of that's not just restricted to high school. It doesn't just end when you graduate. But I think Breakfast Club is a very important movie, and it kind of showed people being who they are, kind of taking their mask off. And so that's a top ten list. Uh, send your responses to my inbox, and we can debate it. But uh, again, I believe I'm really confident in my list. So third, I, I was kind of, I kind of chickened out. I couldn't limit it to ten. You know, I can limit it to ten hair bands and to ten head one hit wonders. It's difficult for me to limit these movies because they all mean so much to me. Okay, so uh, let me remind you too. Our good friends at Campus Bookmark, uh, they're here to service you. And I've shared so many times, you know, that you're going to have some of your favorite stores are going to have some some struggles with uh, this social distancing and quarantine. And a lot of people are liking to kind of stay open and do what they can to do some curbside service, do some online shopping, uh, to try to keep the register ringing a little bit. And so let me encourage you when you can. And I, I know some of you guys, listen, I've got people in my family that, uh, you know, they're going to be on hiatus for a bit, and, and a lot of that's going to be unpaid. And so I get it. There's not a lot of money to go around in some places. But for those of you that do have it, I encourage you to go do some shopping at Campus Bookmark. You can visit them online at campusbookmark.net, and we'll save you a little cash, and that's important at all times, especially right now. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, will get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And my, let me tell you, there's not a lot that puts a smile on our face, the new Mississippi State merchandise. You know what? If you order a new shirt, you order a new poster, you order anything that reminds us of the sports that we love right now, and that's important. We're going to be very happy about that. And you know what? 
guys, there were a lot, a lot of women in your lives, too, were really upset about missing baseball. You know, it wouldn't hurt them to have a, uh, a Diamond Dogs baseball shirt either. Let's don't just uh, leave that up to the beautiful women in our lives to, to do that. We can, uh, we can spoil them a little bit, too. Again, that's canvasbookmark.net, promo code BSR. So let's get into a couple other things here before we get out of here. I have, uh, I've had the chance today to interview some people that I think are very, very important. And uh, two people very, very you know, close, close to Mike Leach's journey throughout his career. One of those is Brittany Thackeray. Interviewed her today. I'm going to post that later today on Gene's page. Straight Q&A. We'll make it free. Okay? And uh, Brittany talks at length about what's going on with her, what her role is, and how the Mississippi State experience has already been you know, different than the Washington State experience, how she got into football anyway. Uh, and so we kind of get to know her a little bit. And she talked at length about how important it was for her because she had found a great team. And I don't mean Washington State. And they had a great experience at Washington State. But with Dave Emmerich and, and Mike Leach and that staff, there was a, it's a comfort level. And so as soon as the opportunity came up, hey, we're going to Mississippi State, she didn't bat an eye because she wanted to stay on this Mike Leach machine. She wanted to stay on this team. She has a lot of respect for Dave Emmerich. Dave Emmerich has a lot of respect for her. Dave has said, you know, that uh, Brittany Thackeray is kind of the straw that stirs the drink. And after talking to her, I wanted to get, you know, an understanding of what her duties are going to be at Mississippi State, what her feelings are about Mississippi State, why this was the right opportunity for her at Mississippi State. She couldn't be happier. Former all-star player, softball player at Arizona. She said this has just been a great fit for her, being in administration. She did some coaching for a while. She's happy to be on the side of things. Said that uh, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, what they did at Pullman, you know, it sounds a lot like the Mississippi State pitch. She said, you know what, if we ever thought if we could ever get them on campus at Washington State, if we could ever get kids to visit us, they would see what a family it was and what a family atmosphere it was and how we all looked out for each other. That's the same thing we've talked about here. And again, I go back about this whole Mike Leach thing. I, th I thought it was so interesting initially when we hired Mike Leach. People are saying, oh, what a clash in cultures. The more that I learn about Mike Leach, the more I realize I don't know if we've ever had a better fit than Mike Leach. This is a guy that understands our value system about as well as anybody. You know, Joe Moorhead is a guy, too, that, uh, you know, that you know, had some blue-collar aspect to him, but, you know, learning more about Mike Leach and you know, talking to different people that have had interactions with him throughout his life, they'll tell you, you know, he values accountability. He values repetition. He values fundamentals. He values scheme. But above all things, he values people. And when he gets people of good quality around him, he wants them to stay with him. He's not going to compromise his principles or his program for a person. He's going to put principles before personalities as well as he should. But when he finds people that have bought into his way of doing things, he invests in them. There is another guy that I spoke to, and this story will run on Monday. If you have read Swing Your Sword, I am currently reading it now. I should be done this weekend. And then maybe we'll talk about it next week. Maybe I'll give you guys a review. But there is a, there's a gentleman in the early part of the book, one of the first chapters, named Joe Gronk. Joe Gronk was a 12-year-old baseball player, and Mike Leach was his baseball coach when Mike was 15. Mike's dad was the official head coach, but Mike is the guy that ran the team. 
And so Joe Gronk is a guy that, uh, you know, the typical right, little league right fielder, right? He's a guy you just kind of put him out there because his parents paid the money and he's supposed to play his two innings a week. And so he's, he's a minimum guy. And so late in the tournament, they're losing. The season's on the line. Joe Gronk, the right fielder, probably hit about 100. Joe Gronk is on deck. There are two runners on base. Leach and Gronk's team is down two with two outs in the final inning. Leach said he could have pulled him, but he said, you know what, it will absolutely crush this kid if I pinch hit for him. So Gronk stays in there and gets a triple. Absolutely rips one down the line and right. Both runs score. He goes to third. Mike Leach's brother comes up in the next at bat, drives Gronk home with a winning run to send the team to the championship game. It is a tremendous story. And Mike Leach says, guys like Joe Gronk are why I coach. That's the reason that I coach. And there's no, it's one of those incredible things about sports. You never know when a big moment like that is coming. So what I was interested in, not just about the whole dynamic of Mike Leach coaching a bunch of 12-year-olds when he was 15, but what happened to Joe Gronk after that? Did that moment lend to greatness? Did Joe Gronk become a high school baseball prospect? Did he, did he become an American Legion star? What happened to him? Did he end up in the major leagues? Was he a minor league washout? What happened to him? So I called him and I uh, reached out to him, and uh, we spoke today. I'm going to run the story on Monday. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed. And Joe tells me that that at bat that Mike Leach let him take was among the greatest things that ever happened to him in his life. And it's, it's amazing. You know, you think about, about sports, and that's one of the things that I've, I've thought about so many years coaching sports. And I have coached most of my life. I was a high school coach. I coached soccer. I coached youth soccer while I was a high school soccer player. And they gave me the worst roster, the absolute worst kids. Gave me all the first-year players, the kids that nobody else wanted. We didn't win a single game. But by the end of the year, we got better and better and better and better. In the last two games of the year, we tied the number one team and the number two team. We tied them. Should have beat them both. We're the most improved team, and I think of all the teams that I coached, that was probably my favorite one. Just because of the fact those kids got better. And you learn these lessons in life, and you build confidence in sports. There are these moments that come up. In sports, that prepare you for life. You deal with adversity. You deal with opportunity. When it's your turn to stand in there and make a big play for the team, you get an opportunity to do it. And Joe Gronk had that opportunity, and he came through. And he told me today, he goes, Steve, I was as surprised as anybody when the ball met the bat. He said that every hit he had in his life is probably luck. But he talks about how that moment changed him, and Mike Leach's belief in him changed him as a person. And I wanted to share that with all of you. And so, you know, with uh, with the stoppage of sports, you know, we're trying to find good quality content. And so I, I get intrigued by things. I, I'm a nosy person. I want to know what's going on. And so when I learned about this Joe Grant character, I thought, you know, how cool would it be to catch up with this guy? Now that Mike Leach has become one of the most, you know, well-known names in all of football, and just kind of find out, hey, listen, what's uh, – what are your thoughts about Mike Leach? Did you ever see this coming? Are you surprised by any of this? And so we talked about all that. And it is incredible. And there was a turning point, too, not just, not just the baseball game. There was a turning point earlier in the year 
when Joe was ready to hang up the hang up the glove and the cap for good. And Mike Leach talked him out of it, and some big things happened. And so we'll share that with you on Monday. Again, I'll make that a free story. That'll be over on Gene's page and uh, on my social media. If you look forward to your read, I look forward to writing it. Wrote a great story yesterday, also over on Gene's page, made it free, about Jamari Stewart, Mississippi State 2020 signee Jamari Stewart. You guys remember that he played for Jamar Chaney at West Centennial High School. And because of the fact that he played for Jamar, Jamar was, you know, not able to take a job at Mississippi State this year because the, the, the elapsed time had not been met, the required time to distance themselves because there's all that whole thing. You know, there's, there's, some, high, there's some college programs out there. I'm not going to name any names, but you know one in this state that, that would recruit a player and then hire their coach to work in an off-the-field capacity to get the kid to sign. Uh, and so as a result, it was going to be basically Jamar Chaney or Jamari Stewart for Mississippi State. After speaking with Jamari Stewart, Mississippi State made the right call. And as much as I love Jamar, Jamar did not want to see Jamari lose that opportunity either. So Jamar was encouraging Mississippi State to take the kid. Jamari Stewart, his father was deported to Jamaica before he was ever born. They have a relationship. They, they haven't spent much time together at all, if any. So he grew up essentially without having his father in his life to kind of teach him how to go. And so he decides to go play football. And because of the fact that uh, in, in his hometown, they pick teams based on weight class. So it wasn't about your age. And because he was a little bit big for his age, a little bit heavy for his age, he had to play in the next weight class, which made him the youngest and among the lightest in that weight class. He was among the smaller kids. And so he gets out there, one of the very first games, he commits a penalty, and his coach starts fussing at him. And rather than you know, kind of bow up and say, okay, I'll, I'll do better next time, coach, he went and sat in the stands with his mom and decided, you know, I'm not going to play football anymore. I'm done with football, not the game for me. Then his mom had an accident, and his mom ended up being paralyzed. And to this day, she lives in assisted living. And because of the fact that he needed something to do, he needed family, he needed people around him, he elected to get football on the track. He becomes an underclassman starter at Central High School and then made the move to Centennial High School and became a star, became a college football prospect. And Mike Leach spoke extensively on signing day about guys that need football. Jamari Stewart needs football. And I'm, after speaking to him extensively yesterday, I'm so glad that he chose Mississippi State football as his family. He said the very first time that he visited here, he began to realize this is a real family. He wanted to get away from home a little bit. He was leaning towards Arizona. It's about as far from the Florida Panhandle as you can get. But he wanted to get away. Some people around him were hoping he would stay a little bit closer to home, but understood that he wanted to get out and kind of make his own way in the world. And he comes here. This is a Zach Garnett deal here. Okay, this is Zach Garnett closing out a deal on a kid that he felt like fit his scheme. And he's going to come here. And I know that Jamar Chaney is thrilled. Jamar Chaney had a, has a good spot at Florida, and we'd love for Jamar to be able to come home. But also understand, too, that I don't know if Jamar Stewart would have had the experiences somewhere else that he's going to have here. And so there's just some things that happen in life when you look back and you say, kind of like the Joe Gronk moments. You know, maybe this whole thing with Jamari Stewart was supposed to happen. 
maybe we were supposed to be his family. And you look at the adversity that he's had, it would have broken a lot of people. It really would have. You know, he grows up without his dad being around, and he grows up with his mom, you know, not being able to be an active participant in his life because she's fighting for her own. But rather than give in and rather than, and, and go join, uh, you know, some people doing some unscrupulous things, he decided, you know what, I'm going to stick to school. I'm going to stick to sports. I'm going to stick to football. And he says that going to Centennial was one of the best things that ever happened to him because he was able to share the experience with a couple of his best friends. That kept him where he needed to be and eventually led to him being a Division One football prospect. And now a Mississippi State signee. Excited for him to be a part of our family. So you can go read that again. That's a free story over on Gene's page. You can find it also on my social media feed. But that's Jamari Stewart from West Centennial High School there in the Panhandle, Florida, joining the Mississippi State family. So I think it's important, you know, when we take inventory, we get all fired up about Mike Leach as a character. All of us are excited about the press conferences. I can't count how many people in the SEC media corps said, Steve, you got to ask him to tell you which SEC mascot would win a battle royal. And, you know, all that will come in time. I think it's better if it's, uh, if it's organic. But we're all excited about that. We're all excited about the air raid. We're excited about the, you know, the brand of offense and football that Mike Leach is going to bring to Mississippi State. We're excited about being able to go out there and run the score up on some people. We get it. But the more that I learn about Mike Leach, I'm excited to find out what he's going to do to our kids, what he's going to do to our players, what's he going to do to our culture. And so when these other people say, oh, that's kind of an odd fit, I don't know that there's ever been a better fit. I don't know if there has ever been a better fit as a football coach than what we've got right now, Mike Leach. And I mean, you listen, I did, obviously I didn't know Alan McKean and those people like that. But in the modern era, I don't know if we have had a football coach that matches our value system more than Mike Leach. I've had people say, you know, Vic Schaefer is probably the most Mississippi State coach of all time. That may be true. Might be true. You know, Vic's done some big things here. It's, it reminds me, too, of uh, some conversations that I had with my dad when I was first making my way into the working world, having to go take over some of these troubled locations when I was in the retail business. He goes, man, all that place needs is somebody to fall in love with it. And that's what happened with Vic Schaefer. He came down here and fell in love with Mississippi State basketball, and in turn, we fell in love with him. We fell in love with women's basketball. It was, a, it was a love within us we didn't know we had. And then when I see a guy like Mike Leach coming in here and I talk to those staffers and they get so excited, it's they, they've never had it this good. That's the thing talking to Brittany Thacker, that thing is just remarkable and it kind of confirms what I suspected. You know, the recruiting staff at Washington State was Dave Emmerich and Brittany Thackery in addition to all of their other responsibilities. And now they come here and there's actual recruiting specialist in place. And so now all of a sudden, you know, their workload is a little bit different. As she said, I get to do a lot more of the things that I love. She's very involved with the parents, very involved with, you know, when there's unofficial visits here, kind of getting everything together, getting everything organized. Folks, we're in good hands. And that's the thing that, you know, above all things, that I think Mississippi State fans want to hear. It's not just about X's and O's. It's not just about recruiting, but we are in good hands. We have people that are going to be good stewards of our money, they're going to make good use of their time. They're invested in Mississippi State. This is not one of those things where Mike Leach is looking for you know, the next step up. There are a lot of people, you know, when they come through here and you say, well, you, know, you get that guy, they, they don't see Mississippi State as a destination job. I just don't get the sense that Mike Leach sees this as a stepping stone to anywhere else. I think Mike Leach is invested in Mississippi State. 
I think when you look at the, the decisions that he's made in his professional career, it's prepared him to be here. And listen, he could have stayed at Washington State forever. As I've shared with you on the show before, they would have built a statue, may have even renamed the stadium, Lead Stadium. They were so happy to have him. They took a chance on him when he was out of football. But he had relationships there that he trusted. He had people around him that he trusted, and he brought many of those people here. And we're the ones that are going to benefit from that. And so I can't wait to share these stories with you because I want you to have the same feelings about this that I do. I think when you read these stories, you're going to think, you know what, we, we made the right decision here. There's a lot more to this guy than throwing the football around and then him being kind of silly at the microphone. There's a lot more to this whole deal than just the caricature that is Mike Leach. A lot of people out there think, well, you know, it'll be fun at SEC Media Days, but they're not going to win much more. They're just going to continue to be Mississippi State. I don't know that I agree with that. I don't know that I agree because I think we're bringing the, I think we're bringing some offensive innovation that we were promised under Joe, but we're bringing some hard-nosed, blue-collar football tried-and-true practices that we had under Dan Mullen and at times in the early days of Jackie Sherrill. And so I think we're getting back to who we've always been in many respects, but we're going to be the better version of ourselves, and I think that's exciting. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. you got four boneyards this week. You can't say I'm not doing my best to keep you entertained. Did a Facebook Live show last night. You can go back and watch that on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page if you missed it. Kind of a bit of a walk and talk. Just walking around the property out here, me and the dogs, talking to you guys. And uh, we'll do that again next week sometime. But I'll be back on Monday, and you never know what's going to happen between now and then. We hope to have some finalization on that Division One eligibility legislation. And again, I feel very favorable about that coming through as we expect it to. I think that's big for all involved. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we, I guess I, I guess I forgot to mention something to you guys too, before I'm, before I get out of here. This Swing Your Sword book is incredible. And there's a couple other books out there. You know, there's a compilation of quotes of Mike Leach, the whole, you know, squib kick it to a fat guy, the Geronimo book. I'm going to encourage you to read all those books because I, I want to do it because I want to kind of get in there and understand more about Mike Leach as a person. And I think once you read those books, you're going to realize he's a great fit for us and not just because of the fact that, that, that he's funny, but I think you're going to hear a lot of things that are going to, you know, going to resonate with you because it's kind of who we are. And if you hadn't done so, I'm encouraged you to go buy those books so you can get them at Book Martin Cafe right here in downtown. Uh, and then you can get my books at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. I'm going to be working really hard here in the next few weeks to kind of get a kickstart on the Stark Villains 2. I don't know what we're going to call it. I don't know if we're going to call it Stark Villains 2 or whatever. I don't know. But the sequel to Stark Villains, I'm working on that now. But this is a good time to do some spring reading, for sure. You're going to need these sports books to kind of give you a little bit of a distraction. So find as many of them as you can. And in, in, in worst case scenario, go find you some Shelby Foot books. You know, go find those legendary Mississippi authors, Eudora Welty, people like that. Read those books. Tennessee Williams, Willie Morris, people are heroes of mine. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>